Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads Community Church, our vision is to awaken the city of Pittsburgh and surrounding areas by creating cool places to experience God in local neighborhoods throughout Pittsburgh and beyond. Now here is this week's message. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. We are in the middle of a series of lessons about becoming vessels that God can use, transforming ourselves, letting God transform us to become that vessel. Um, To start, I want to read something to you. It's in Matthew 12. 43 to 45. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and they live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. I read this because the first week we talked about accepting God, um, the God that made you, and honoring him for who he is. The second week, last week, we talked about being emptied of self to make room for God and allowing God to cleanse you. And so what follows naturally is if you have emptied yourselves of everything unnecessary and everything that is not of God and you've allowed God to clean you, you now have an empty space, a clean slate, so to speak. And so you have to fill it with godly things, with the things that God wants you to to be filled with, and that is God himself. God created us as empty vessels designed to be filled with him, and we need constantly to be filled with the living water of God's spirit. What is meant by living water? This brings us to um, our first scripture that we're going to look at today and that would be John 7 verses 37 to 39 on the last and greatest day of the feast Jesus stood and said in a loud voice if anyone is thirsty let him come to me and drink whoever believes in me as the scripture has said Streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, this has great meaning, but to me, 
it has an even greater significance when I learned a little about the background of this. This particular feast, this particular thing was said during the Feast of the Tabernacles, which was an annual celebration in Jerusalem to commemorate God's provision of daily water for the Israelites as they wandered around in the desert. During the feast, the people would carry branches reminding them of vegetation in the wilderness out of which they would construct huts. And they also carried a lemon or citron in the left hand, a sign of the harvest. So on each day of the feast, the priest would draw water from the pool of Siloam in Jerusalem and bring it in procession to the temple and pour it out in a silver funnel through which it flowed um, out onto the ground. On the last day of the feast, as this was being done, the crowd walked around to the altar seven times to celebrate God's gift of water when Moses struck the rock. It was at this particular moment that Jesus stood and loudly proclaimed, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He was really equating himself with that rock, which was... Um, a foretelling of the Messiah, a prophecy of the Messiah. There are many places in the Old Testament where a promise is made to send God's Holy Spirit to the people, and these promises are made with metaphor, uh, metaphors of water and drink. And surprise, Isaiah holds many of these. Um, Isaiah 12, 3 says, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Isaiah 44, 3 says, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. And 55, 11 says, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. There are many of them um, throughout the Old Testament, and there are also many of them in the New Testament as well. Um, one of the things that I especially like is the fact that um, the word the, word, the words come to me mean a lot more than just come to me. Come, in the, Greek, in the Greek language, this word has a special, specific tense, and it's called present imperative. And there comes with that a commitment to a long-term way of doing something or, or living your life. A command to keep on doing something as one's general habit. So Jesus wasn't standing up and saying, hey, all of you, jump over here to this row, and I'll give you something to drink. He was saying, come to me. Continue 
to come to me. Continue to seek the water, the living water, which I can provide. There are many places in the Bible, and this is really interesting um, when you look at these tenses of uh, words in the Bible, that are actually telling us don't do something or stop doing something or do this one time or continue to do this forever. There are a lot of different things that those tenses tell us. And so you can use what's in the Bible to guide you even more directly than you would imagine it could. So, we as vessels cannot create water. We can only accept it and pour it. So, how, do, how are we to be filled with this living water? And what are we to do? What is this exactly? In Ephesians 5, 18 to 20, it says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Spiritual songs and hymns and psalms, music, can certainly have a great effect on people's hearts. I know it does mine. Um, but it's not just music itself. It's, it's what comes from inside of you. And that music is meant as a way to praise God, to honor him, to thank him. Um, a way of communicating with God. Music is a prayer, um, a beautiful prayer. Um, Galatians, and this isn't <coughs> this isn't written up there, but I'll read it for you. Um, Galatians five, verses twenty-two to twenty-five. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's these things that we need to fill ourselves with. And these things are God. So he's actually told us the things that we need we can't give these things, which is what we're supposed to do if we follow in the way of Christ. We cannot give these things unless we are filled with them. And the more you give, the more you are filled. He promises that. 
two accurate measures of how filled we are are the love we show despite how we are treated and the joy we demonstrate in spite of circumstances. We all have positive and negative traits. Whichever one we feed will grow in strength and take over. The fruit of the Spirit are the things we need to constantly be filled with. After all, we are to be giving these things constantly. Now, we all know what they are, so let's just talk a little bit about each one. The first one, and, and when, I, when I looked at this one, I kind of laughed to myself. The first one is love. We all know that that's the most important thing, right? And that God is love. And in 1 Corinthians, the love chapter, which is 13, it's what a lot of times you hear read at weddings, the first part of this, and it says, if I have the gift, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, since we know that God is love, do this. Take those same verses, and every time you see the word love, put God there. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God does not dishonor others. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrongs. You see where I'm going with this. God never fails. Now, just for fun, do something. When you're reading this, put your own name in there. And I don't want any Snickers from the back from my family. But let's try this. Patty is patient. She almost spit her coffee out. Did you see it? Patty is kind. Patty does not envy. Patty does not boast. Patty is not proud. Now, the more you giggle to yourself when you're reading this, the more you better work on these things. Because we are to be following Christ. God doesn't want us to just love when it's easy to do. Anybody can do that. We must love when it's the most difficult thing that there is for us to do. Joy, the Bible commands us to be joyful. It's a choice. It isn't just something that falls and plunks into your lap. It's a decision that we make 
about how we will respond to life's circumstances. Choose to rejoice even when everything around you says not to. Peace, this is an interesting one. Peace is not the absence of trouble in your life. It's not the absence of turmoil or the absence of challenges. It's possible to be in the midst of the biggest crisis in your life and still experience peace, a peace that surpasses understanding. Jesus spoke in Aramaic Hebrew, so he would have used the word shalom. In Hebrew, shalom is a word of great meaning. <coughs> There's no English word that can accurately, one word that can accurately translate from the word shalom. So it's just translated as peace. But if you look in the Hebrew lexicon, it says that shalom is completeness, safety, soundness in body, welfare, health, prosperity, peace, quiet, tranquility, contentment, peace with God, especially in covenant relationship, and peace from war. That is peace. And it's not what is around you. It's what's in you. And most of the time, and especially in the New Testament, the references are to God's peace or the peace of God. It's not just peace. It's the peace of God. And there's a great grand difference. Okay, next we talk about patience. Proverbs 19.11 tells us, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. When we are be patient with others, we can forgive far easier than not. You've seen those little signs that say, please be patient. God isn't finished with me yet. We are all works in progress. And sometimes it's very difficult not to lose one's temper. But you have to work at it. You know, some people just seem to have a lot more patience than others, and, and you know, you kind of think sometimes, you know, why did God give them all the patience? But God might not have. I think on the whole, we kind of start off pretty much even in those things. And you really have to work at them. Kindness and goodness, it says in Second Peter that we are to make every effort to increase the measure of goodness, knowledge, etc. This means it's hard work. Make every effort. We can have a knowledge of Jesus and still be ineffective and unproductive. God does use the most unlikely vessels, but don't sit around and wait to be filled because that won't happen. 
The next one is faithfulness, and we all pretty much know about faithfulness. You have to live your life with absolute certainty that God can accomplish through you all he has purposed. Sometimes that's hard to do, too. And sometimes I never understood what leap of faith was. And I don't think that I've ever really taken a leap of faith because I've been too afraid. And it really wasn't until after the fact that I realized when God told me you should have taken that leap right there. But I made things happen, and I pushed you, or I took it for you. But there are many times in my life where I should have taken that leap of faith. Gentleness, um, in 1 Peter, it says that your beauty should not come from outward adornment. It should come from the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Everyone wants to look nice, don't take me wrong. But realize that real beauty doesn't come this way. Don't let it take over your life. There is great strength in gentleness. It's probably one of the strongest things that you can have. Self-control. Attempts at managing self-control really don't work unless the change comes from inside and that change comes from God. You have to look to God for these things, and especially self-control. A lot of time that's a learned thing. You have to look for God and ask him to help you to change that. Our spirit needs to be filled and oiled and maintained. An empty vessel isn't going to go anywhere. The last thing I want to talk about this morning is kind of uh, listening for God, waiting to hear God's voice. God has always spoken to his people. God still speaks to his people. We sometimes aren't listening, or maybe we're not sure how to listen, or what it is that we're listening for. Or maybe we're just too busy today to listen. But he's always speaking to us. Through angels and visions, dreams, gentle whispers, miracles. Unfortunately, we limit God's voice to burning bushes or the parting of the Red Sea. But the how isn't important. The crucial point is that he speaks. And sometimes it's only a whisper. It's not a burning bush. God 
spoke through Jesus. And when Jesus left the earth, he sent the Holy Spirit. What kind, what kind of a parent would God be if he just put a child into this world and never spoke to him again? What, what kind of parent would, would do that to a child? Never gave him any instructions, any comfort, or any love. What kind of parent doesn't want a deep and loving relationship with their child? And that's all that God wants. And he doesn't want to just give you instruction. He doesn't want to order you how to live your life. He wants a conversation. And that works, that's two ways. How many of you left your house this morning and noticed a burning bush speaking to you out in the yard? Everyone, just Austin. <laughs> God deals with us individually. He made us so he knows what will catch our attention. He knows what each of us will understand. If the brilliance of God showed up in my backyard on a John Deere tractor, the guys in my house would be all over that. God knows that. It says in uh, Isaiah 30, let me get to it. Isaiah 30, verses 19 to 21. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. Your own eyes, you will see them whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. God speaks through his people, through his word, your circumstances, prayer, creation, nature. There are so many different ways that God speaks to you. I read somewhere this week, this past week, about an exercise that uh, said that you should carry with you <coughs> at all times a small notebook. And when something happens in your life that you know or think is God, write it down. If God opens a door, write it down. If God speaks a specific word to you, write that down. If you see something that reminds you of something or of God or anything like that, write it down. These, and it was, it's kind of amazing that I read this because 
these are, I call them these, I call these my nudge books. <laughs> because these are all like little nudges. And I did exactly the same thing with these books. Now, I've used them um, in many ways. And most importantly, they helped me to determine how God spoke to me and how he speaks to me. I know this is odd, but 5 o'clock this morning, I was up. And, and I thought about these books, and I thought, I have to find a couple of those books. I know there's one I need to find in particular. And so I start reading through all these little books. I didn't know why, but I'm going to practice what I preach. You know that old saying? And I knew I had to find them, and it made me crazy because I knew there was something in here that I needed to find. Didn't know what it was. So I start reading every single thing in these books until I found it. So I found it. Now I do believe in my heart that I need to read this little section to you. I don't know why. But it made me cry. And once I found it, I didn't feel like reading anymore. And there are no such things as coincidences. There's a reason I found this and a reason that I was nudged to find it. So here it is. I wrote this about, it was, it's a little over five years ago. God has always reached out to me, but I never consciously recognized it until I reached for him. I have always found great meaning in the word hand as applied to my relationship with God. At the beginning of my journey with God, I felt his hand on me. It was all I was ready for. It was all I needed. It was also all I would allow. Gradually, I came to realize that my life was in God's hand. It added comfort to the wonder that filled me. The next step was God holding my hand, like a parent teaching a child to walk. It gave me encouragement, assurance, and safety. Now, he's taken his hand from mine. He's letting go. It's still just a breath away. His hand is right there. If I reach in the slightest way, his hand will be in mine immediately. But he needs to let go. And that gives me strength. God speaks to you. Know that he speaks to you in countless ways. Pray, learn patience, depend on God's timing. Spend quiet time for him. Listen for him. You'll hear him every time. As the band can come up, pastor.
Is this on? Okay, some of you may feel uh, a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, some of you may feel, hey, this is, this is just normal, run-of-the-mill stuff for me. But uh, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Because we said each week uh, we're not just going to talk about these actions. We're going to actually engage. We're going to challenge ourselves to take steps of faith into transforming into the people that God wants us to be more and more in the likeness and image of his son. Uh, so, you know, Patty was talking about being silent and letting God fill you, letting his spirit fill you, uh, and that uh, really hit home what she said is you can't give what you don't have. So we can't be kind and loving and patient without God's spirit transforming us into kind and loving and patient people. And sometimes uh, uh, that still small voice that she was talking about, that is the hardest thing to hear because we're in a world that's full of noise, digital noise, social media, radio, TV, whatever it is. So what we're going to do is we're going to, uh, as the band continues to softly play, we're going to just engage in a minute of silence. I'm not going to be talking. They're not going to be singing. Uh, just as they play, uh, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We were going to do it via video, but this is going to work out a little bit better. Uh, is just let God speak to your heart. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some clues on, on ways to make this a better process. Okay? Uh, but here's what I want you to do for the next minute, 60 seconds. And I know it's going to be incredibly hard for some of us, especially those under the age of like 18 tech team, uh, to just sit still for 60 seconds with really nothing to focus on, the TV, listening to someone sing, listening to the radio, watching a video, but just allowing God to speak to your heart. So for the next 60 seconds, um, that's what I'm going to ask you to do. And then after that, uh, we're going to come back and I'll close this out. had to watch it on my phone for those people that are like, that's 62, 63, one minute, all right? So here's what I'm going to ask you to do, okay? Because oftentimes, uh, and I need you to be perfectly honest, all right? Nothing, be perfectly honest. How many people had just dozens of stray thoughts just pop into your head during that 60 seconds? Okay, thank you for being honest, because I did too. That's why I almost forgot to set the clock. But stray thoughts just came in. Here's what I want you to do now, and this will help us into filtering out and being able to ascertain which of those thoughts are from God and which of those thoughts are straight thoughts. If you have a a pen or a paper, uh, take it out. Here's what I want you to do. If not, just take note of them. 
um, the thoughts that just ran through your head, whether it was, oh, I gotta, you know, get more toilet tissue because of Frankenstorm, or, you know, I gotta run to the ATM, or are they gonna finish in time? Redskins, I know they're playing, Steelers got that, okay? Whatever thought that ran into your head, or a series of thoughts, jot those down. Just, just write them down. And I know nobody's reaching for a pen or paper, but here's why I say write them down. The thoughts that ran through your head, a lot of them we tend to think, those are stray thoughts. Those are not from God. The thought about, oh, my coworker at work, or the thought about this, the thought about that. But if you take those thoughts that ran through your head during that time of silence and line them up against what Patty was talking about, which of those thoughts are ones that line up with demonstrating kindness, demonstrating patience, demonstrating love and oftentimes we'll try to pray and we'll try to hear God's voice but the thought about oh you know what I need to go get some milk for the neighbor next door because she can't get around and you keep trying to push that thought out of your head and that's a thought from God trying to tell you go help your neighbor sometimes we're thinking about oh you know what I need to get to work earlier because my boss has a need and you keep trying to push that thought out of your head because you think it's interfering with what God is trying to tell me And that may be God trying to tell you to show up earlier, to be a better witness in your life to your boss. And if during those times of silence, you just, after you're done, just start writing down, here's all the stray thoughts that came into my head, and then line them up scripturally, you'll you'll obviously be able to tell ones that weren't from God. Some may not be as clear, but ones that are definitely from God will be totally 100% clear. And then if you continue in that process, and this is why a lot of us don't continue in that process and we don't pray, too many stray thoughts come in and so we say, this is not working, and we just give it up. And God's like, hey, it was working. Out of those 10 things that popped into your head, six or seven or eight of them, or even one or two, were me trying to connect to you. So I'm not sure to just bow your heads as we close out. God, we pray that throughout the busyness that takes place in our lives, whether it be social media, uh, cell phones ringing, uh, computer, TV, family. Sometimes we try to pull away just to get a moment with you and, and hear your voice and the noise of just family life or just life in general gets in the way. God, we pray that through your spirit filling us that we would be able to hear and to ascertain your still, small voice. We pray that it would be not just a one-time thing that we try to do, but a, a, a gradual habit that we increase in doing is listening to you. We want to be like the, the, the wife who is overjoyed when her husband is able to just sit and listen and then engage and say, yeah, here's what you said, I got it. We want to be able to hear you, God, and say, here's what you said, I got it. God, we ask that your spirit would fill us, that we would engage in these practices, that we would, as Patty said, that we would uh, be filled with your spirit so that we can be using your spirit to demonstrate the love that you've shown us to others. God, we pray that you would be glorified in everything that we do. And all God's people said, amen.